What's up, guys? Today, we are joined on the podcast by Dr. Ashton of Strive to Move. Strive to Move is based out of Warren, New Jersey, and they also have an office in Gabriel Fitness and Performance in Berkeley Heights, New Jersey. That is where I'm currently working, which is how me and Dr. Ashton crossed paths. Today, we're going to talk all about strategies you can use at the gym or at home to guarantee that you're putting yourself in the best position, picking the right exercises for you. We're going to talk about couple different ways that you can address certain pains you might be having. And we're also going to talk a little bit about Ashton's movie choices at the end. You might be a little surprised to find out what his favorite is. Okay, I apologize in advance. We did nerd out a little bit. So if you have any questions, definitely email me. I'll elaborate a little bit more, but I hope you enjoy it. So buckle up. Let's go. Now we're recording? Okay, now we're recording. Man, okay. we missed out some, on some quality stuff there. Adrenaline uh, shock's never going to know about me now. Uh, shucks, shucks, shucks. Maybe oh, they'll know about you now, so we'll see. Well, maybe, maybe. All right. Adrenaline so. shock, sponsor me. <laughs> so we got Ashton on the podcast today. He's going to give you a little bit of an intro about himself and his time being a Florida man. The so. wish, and side note, I wish I was the real Florida man because he has a lot of fun. Best Google, best Google search out there. <laughs> has to be without a doubt when you just think of florida you just kind of shake your head and just be like again or you're just not surprised with the amount of weird shit that comes out of that state anymore no. um but like when Brian you see said, florida anything can follow it should be right <laughs> <laughs> uh well, like brian said my name is ashton bill moria i am a chiropractor here at strive to move where one of our offices is located here in gabriel fitness I am originally from the great state of Florida, and I've been living here in New Jersey for about two years now, which I'm not going to lie, the last month was kind of depressing. It was the first time I've seen that much snow in my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I'm not. That's the most time I've never seen the sun. It's crazy. I don't know how you guys deal with it. But yeah, you know, I've been here two years now, and uh, I'm enjoying living in New Jersey and what it has to offer. Hey, to be fair, this is like, it does happen every year, but it feels like we're in freaking Seattle. Like, yeah, it's, it's been fucking gloomy every day <laughs> in February. And I'm wondering if I should start taking vitamin D or something. I've never had to consider that thought before in my life. But the last few weeks, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should because I'm starting to feel a little moody and like, kind of depressed. It's, it's brutal. Dude, it's terrible. Like, I had to start doing vitamin D. Game changer, but like. It, it was rough, man. One of my patients says he has like a, one of those um, headlamps or something in his house where he'll just lay under because just not having the sun really gets to him also. And I was like, that's not a bad idea. I should get one of those uh, LED lights and just lay under like I'm the problem is I don't get tan. I just get dark. So I'm already tan. Well. I just get dark. <laughs> At least I don't get sunburn. At least not that I know of. Hey, as long as you're getting that vitamin D hit. That's true. That that is true. When when a sponsor for one of those lamps hops on this amazing podcast, I'll, <laughs> I'll send one your way. Please be sure to send me one, and I will market the <laughs> shit out of it. I will market the fucking shit out of it. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. All right. Yeah. So let's dive into the fun stuff. Um. So I forget. Did you call dibs on shoulders or hips? You know, I'm open to talking about shoulders, back, hips. Uh, you know, how we integrate working in the gym facility, whatever 
whatever you want to ask, I will do my best to try and answer the question, have a conversation about it. That's a dangerous, dangerous move, letting me have control of <laughs> this conversation. But and these, yeah, let's go ahead and guide it, baby. Let's see where we go. All right. So we're going to gear this towards like the average Joe, the working population, like anybody who's like pretty much stuck in a desk or on their computer for, we'll say nine to five, Monday through sure. Friday. Okay. They may or may not have young children or taking care of their own parents, like a lot of lifestyle factors going into it. On average, what are some of the like usual injuries that you see on a daily basis overall i would say uh especially for the last year just like you touched upon people from sitting more so i wouldn't even say sitting just being overall sedentary even more so the last year being stuck in homes i've seen more back pain cases than my first year more neck pain with symptoms going down the arm from just sitting in this hunched over position for hours and out of the day and then i've seen more um it's interesting over the last when stuff started open back more overuse injuries because people came back a little bit too quickly from being sedentary for so long so I've, i would say i've seen the gamut and the overuse can be anything from shoulders knees, uh, foot and ankle. I mean, you name it. Um, I've seen it from like an overuse standpoint, but I wouldn't even say it's probably more so the sedentary like lifestyle. And I think quarantine just enhanced that for people from sitting at home more, because I always like joke with my patients. It's funny. It's like, you actually don't realize how much you get up when you're actually in the office, whether you have to go into yeah. the bathroom, whether you're going to talk down to your coworker, you actually don't realize how much more you break up that monotony of, uh, sitting throughout the day. And then you're at home right. and you're sitting at your desk. You're like, holy shit. It's, I've been here nine hours already. Like, <laughs> I haven't moved. And it, it's brutal. It's, and it gets dangerous because then it just goes on and on and on like a vicious cycle. Yeah. Well, then you're faced with that, that question of like, do I do something about it or do I just push through the pain? Which the latter is usually never a good idea. <laughs> no. And usually we, we love to see, want to see people. We always say before the wheels fall off, you know, before something has been taken away from them, but unfortunately it doesn't always work out that way. And, and people will literally wait till I have one guy right now who I just started seeing and he literally been a chronic cycle back in for five years. And now to the point where he's not working out in CrossFit right now, because he's afraid of, you know, his back's feeling better, but he's afraid of keeping going down that cycle. So now after five years, he's, finally doing something about it because he would rest it would get better rest and get better but then he would always hurt himself again it's a weird yeah. cycle that people they wait till the very thing that they love to do is actually taken away before they take action yep you see it all the time like i know like especially in the younger population it seems like especially with our training staff like everybody <laughs> goes through the the life cycle of like we're power lifters and then we figure out <laughs> that you can't do that forever unless you have your boxes checked and then we take a visit to you and then yep. <laughs> figure out what the hell is wrong and then we come back to it and we're like do these goals actually support what we're trying to do like do i have to lift 500 pounds like off the ground or can i do that in a slower time slower time period feeling better along the way or do i want it right now and then yeah. you see that with the with the people playing golf playing tennis it's like let me just push this off until the off season and then I'll get it addressed and then they get healthy, then boom, they're right back into the season and it hurts all over again. A hundred percent. I think to your point, it was like when you're touching on like, what's the outcome or goal? It's like, is the goal to work out or is the goal to lift, you know, 500 pounds off the floor? So we'll get people that'll come in. I had one person that came in and she's like, I didn't want to come see you 
um, not me personally, but just anyone in general. She's like, I was being afraid of being told not to do something. And I was like, well, what's the goal is the goal for you. Like we'll use running as an example is the goal for you to run, you know, five miles at a time each and every time, or is the goal just to run? And her goal actually turned out was like, I just want to run. Okay. Well I can work with that. Like as we start to grade you back into the load and to the fatigue and endurance and build you back up, like we can get your heart rate up some way, somehow, and then progress you back into running little by little. So it's interesting that you'll see people and you want to just always make sure like, they have realistic expectations. And then like, you always want to be able to establish an outcome because without the outcome, well, what are you working for? And then that kind of puts you into a, I think like a weird predicament. Like they're just kind of coming, but you don't really know what you're working on or working towards. Like I know, which is fine, but if they don't know and I don't tell them then I'm not doing my job, I feel like. Yeah. And I mean, that honestly, the more and more we get into it, the more and more we like work with clients, it comes down to like, I feel like, like trainers, chiropractors, like whatever you are, you're almost like a goal setter. Like, because honestly, I don't think most people take the time to just sit down and be like, what am I trying to get out of this? Yeah. Like, what's the end goal? Like, yeah. I mean, people come and say they want to lose weight or they want to like for you, they'll say, I want to get out of pain. And it's like, okay, but why? Exactly. Nobody takes that next step. They're like stuck in this vague zone of like, good enough and it's like what is good enough like we need concrete goals yeah and we never we always say in here we never want to chase pain or we never want to make it about pain because you know pain's like pain's weird in the sense like they can come in here i can get them out of pain really quickly but then if they leave here thinking like they're all fixed well they're going to be back right here in maybe a month or two and that's never my goal so we never want to make it about pain being their goal or about their treatment because we always want to say, what's their why? What's their internal? Like, for example, I had a guy that said he wanted to work out. But, okay, why did he want to work out? What, was, what did working out mean to him? Okay, well, he was losing weight. He lost a crap ton of weight, so he wanted to stay in the gym. But then even digging more, it's like he just wanted to get up and off the floor with his granddaughter. So it's just like – and he had shoulder pain. So it's like here we started with wanting to work out, but the end goal was he just wanted to get up and off the floor with his granddaughter. So if we got to try to find – their deep internal because without that again like you said like what's the outcome what's the goal what are you working towards yep and that road is usually a little bit different than what they had in mind like everybody has those exercises or that routine that they're just <laughs> tied to and they're like it's going to get me there i know it's going to get me there and then they get hurt in the process or life gets in the way and it doesn't work out that way and they're kind of like well shit i'm done and then yeah. it starts the cycle over yeah i always like to draw like a uh Uh, like a cycle on the board it's if you write the word pain and then you draw an arrow to dysfunction and then that arrow back to pain so it's a constant feedback loop right and so if i just take care of your pain and i'll exit out i'm like cool great i took away i took away your shoulder pain initially but if you still have the dysfunction like let's say if you're going overhead and your rib cage comes up or you don't know how to brace um that dysfunction is going to always lead back to the pain over and over again so it's like you, we always term the root cause. We'll find the root cause and then work backwards and go from there. Exactly. And I'm glad you brought up overhead because I kind of wanted to dive down that rabbit hole. Sure. A bit because I know personally, like I would love to be able to push overhead, but the shul- like the shoulders are just saying no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of people, for some reason, like whether it be powerlifters, they're like, it's going to increase my bench, so I should be doing overhead. 
or people that are doing CrossFit and they're like, listen, I'm going to be doing these snatches. I got to get strong overhead. Like, what would you deem as like prerequisites? Like, what's a test that everybody should pass before they even consider putting a weight over their head? Yeah. So, it, I mean, that's a great question. <laughs> we did a <laughs> seminar one time, Justin and I did, and just, you know, basic shoulder flexion. Can they get bicep to ear? Okay. Yes. If they can do that, great. What you're going to look for is a lot of times people think their true shoulder mobility is they get bicep to ear, but the thing that I'll see the most is rib cage flares most. And then that lacks, that allows them to get their shoulder into an overhead position. But now if you forcefully bring their rib cage down, their arm is probably only to here. So now you're talking about, okay, they don't really have requisite shoulder mobility, probably don't have shoulder stability. And now you're asking them to put a bar, a kettlebell or dumbbell overhead when they don't even have true overhead motion. So that just leads you down a whole continuum. And then you can develop back pain because now you're in an unarched position, can't use your diaphragm. So just a trickle down effect from there. So I would say to answer your question without going farther down that hole would be, can they just get bicep to ear? And then from there, you can break it down farther and look at what, if they're compensating or not. Yeah. And I know like, at least with my online clients, for sure, like I'll stick them against the wall and say, keep your butt shoulders head against the wall. Can yep. you tap it, keeping your arm straight? Like, yeah. That's yeah. a real simple at home. Like just go up against the wall. Can you touch it? Keeping your arm straight with your fist. Yeah. And one that we'll do also to take them from like a loaded position of standing, take gravity out of it, lay them on their back and see if they can do it. Yeah. It's the same thing that you're doing standing, just taking gravity out of the equation, see if they can do that. I guarantee they can't do it standing. Maybe I can say guarantee if they can't do it standing. There's a chance they could do it on the floor, but at least that gives you another insight. Okay. Now you're taking a static from a static loading position. You're deloading them and they can do it. Okay. Now you kind of know what hole that you're going to take down, which would be a stability case. Yeah. Yeah. On our end, that would help a lot. But yeah. Yeah. I'm in my head. I'm thinking of those people that are like on their own, left to their own devices. I mean, if, like that both tests would be amazing to try mm -hmm. out. Cause I mean, you could start on the ground, you check that box. Boom. Good. Now go to the wall. Can you do that? No, that tells you something like you were saying, like, is it a core stability issue that's right. causing this whole problem? Like maybe you just got to do a bunch of bear crawls and holds and all yeah. of a sudden you're going to get this mobility out of nowhere. Maybe they lack popular scapular mechanics of upward rotation as they go arm overhead, but at least, you know, you can start, uh, I would say like checking boxes off. And that's really what you want to be able to do is like, can you just keep going systematically test retest, like find a dysfunction, put an intervention in place, retest. And then yep. it's easy for, I found, like you said, for speaking to like online, like you do, like when we did telehealth, that was the easiest way for us to do it. Cause it transitioned for what we do in here. It's like, okay, what's your, what's your dysfunction? Can we put an intervention in place and then let's retest and does it get better or worse? And exactly. from there, at least they mm -hmm. have it in their head. Like, Oh, it's better. Now it instills confidence into what they're doing in the sense, okay, like it improved in the session with the doctor or with my trainer. Now when I'm on my own, I know I can do one to two of these three things that are similar and I'm not going to hurt myself. And now it gives them confidence to keep doing the movement and getting better. Exactly. And that's like an invaluable skill that you can learn and it'll jump and it'll take months, if not years of guesswork out. Like if you do something, it feels good. It makes you move better and you test it out before you do it. Yeah. So say you squat and it feels tight, tight, tight. You go and do an exercise like a core exercise or a mobility exercise. And then you squat again 
and it feels better and you move better and you're stronger, keep that in the rotation. Exactly. Don't leave it. Don't look, don't no. stop doing it. No, don't stop. That's, that's like a great case for like a filler exercise. Like if it's mobility work, do that after you do. So if you have one exercise, like a squat, the next one is like a plank or something, make that third one like foam rolling. And yeah. that's like an active rest. And then you're doing something and then jump right back in. Yeah. Or, so you're doing something in between your sets. Yeah. Yeah. Or if we get into that whole shoulder conversation, like how maybe like a, something like a bear crawl would help, like do your bear crawl plank after a deadlift or sorry, not a deadlift, uh, an overhead press. So you do that bear crawl hold for 30 seconds. Then you go right into the press mm-hmm. and boom, all of a sudden you get up there, you feel good. No limitations whatsoever. Keep that in the rotation. Yeah. One thing that we, I've learned from, I learned from Justin, it was interesting. Like if someone comes in here, let's say like a shoulder impingement. So they get like pinching in the front of their shoulder every time they try to bring their arm overhead. Well, a cool trick to see like, cause then people are like, Oh, I can't exercise. I can't do anything because my shoulder hurts. So we just load them with like a, a single arm heavy carry for a few sets and reps. Next thing you know, their arm comes overhead. Now it doesn't work for everyone that has the pinching, but for some it does. So now, you know, like, Oh, they're like, Oh shit. Like, that actually felt good. So now yeah. you can start to change their meaning behind, okay, it's not every exercise, but the proper exercise or the proper movement can actually help you. You just got to figure out which one and the right cadence. And then from there, you just build you back up. Yeah. I'm starting to fall in love more and more with loaded carries with like either mm-hmm. overhead work or like yeah. uh, overhead pull or something. Mm-hmm. Because what most people don't realize is like when you're carrying something super duper heavy, if it's heavy enough, your traps kind of like shut off, not like completely, but like they get stretched out so they can't really contract, which is good because then your lat gets involved. Everything surrounding your shoulder gets involved and it feels amazing. Then when you go to do something overhead or like a press or a pull, like all of a sudden your trap is like asleep, which is what you want. (laughs) And then everything feels fantastic. Yeah, it these almost gives you that. Wake up that. Yeah, these muscles wake up that are like, holy crap, I haven't been doing this work for so long because the trap takes over. Exactly. I always like to tell people like, you know, upper trap and lower trap, they like constantly play like a tug of war with each other. But the problem with like overhead movement is you need lower trap to facilitate like the rocking back posterior tilt of the scap to allow scap right upper rotation to get your arm overhead. And so with the loaded carry, it's great because like you said, the distraction mechanism of being so heavy, it's impossible for you to lift your shoulder up or shrug. So it forces all of your scapular stabilizers just to kick in, which is awesome. Yeah. And that's a great, Oh, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to agree with you saying I I, I love carries like love them. Yeah. Yeah. For multiple reasons, but that's Mm -hmm. a great one, but that's also a good tell of if you're carrying enough weight, if you can shrug it too, too light, Yep. Yep. That's what I tell everyone when they come in. If you don't feel like you're going to like, if you're carrying only one and you don't feel like you're about to fall over, not heavy enough. Exactly. That's the point. It has to be heavy enough for it to actually go into effect. Otherwise you're not doing it right. Like exactly. And if you have one in each hand and you don't feel like your shoulders are about to fall out of their sockets, not heavy enough. (laughs) No. Yeah. And it just, it's just the way the added benefit of that load super quickly, I think just, provides like a reset to the body, like that it's craving onto this ability. So that forceful of the loaded carries just almost forces it to be like, Oh shit. Like this is here still. I know what I'm, I need these to work. And then it improves. And then from there, obviously you're not fixed, you, but now you at least know what rabbit hole to go down. Yeah. Yeah. Before we turn this into a love letter to the carries, 
Um, because <laughs> we could def definitely come up I with a thousand going reasons you want. to start to keep doing loaded carries. <laughs> but I I remember earlier you mentioned the neck, elbow, like shoulder area. I want yeah. to talk a little bit about that because I know, like, I know personally, like, I in the warm ups, I've been kind of like gear, like, uh, trying to incorporate like turn, like pivots with the with the head trying to make some circles like to establish that mobility because i think like correct me if i'm wrong like if people aren't consistently like exploring that range of motion and putting themselves in a situation where they have to turn their head and they're not yeah. just moving their whole body as one like they lose that range of motion and then that can cause issues down the road like the shoulder elbow stuff yeah 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 no 100 to your point like Essentially, we'll see people who are like, I had a guy who got in, who's like in his maybe like late 60s, but to your point, he became so stiff just because he stopped understanding how to move his neck in isolation, whether it's rotation, whether it's retraction and extension. I mean, most people are, are limited in extension right where the neck meets the mid back, so your CT junction area. So they get locked up through there. Now, when they look up toward the ceiling, they start like hinging or moving through their mid cervical spine. And that's when you start to see a lot of the symptoms going to the shoulder or the elbow and to the hand. So you start to your point, if you don't, if you stop exploring your proper ranges of motion, you essentially, it just creates a, a vicious cycle of downfall. Now you're losing it. And now it creates a whole other um, list of problems. But yeah, I'll see a lot of people that will come in. With anytime someone comes in with just rule of thumb in our office, anytime someone comes in with a lower, whether it's an upper extremity complaint, and this goes the same thing for lower extremity, like hips, knees, foot and ankle, we're rolling out the spine because there is a research article that came out and it listed certain percentages of extremity complaints back to the spine. Now, some more than others, like hip and shoulder more often than not are going to be referred from like low back for hip, shoulder for neck, but even elbow, I'll see like tennis elbow. And more often than not, it's actually a referral coming from the neck first. And then it, obviously you rule that out. Great. And then you go through your checks and balances. Okay. Not coming from the neck. Good. You rule that out. Let's look at shoulder and elbow, um, ruling out shoulder. Then we go down to elbow and then it's usually one of those three. Right. And then from the rehab standpoint, everything above and then obviously core. Yeah. And it kind of gets into like a little bit of like the joint by joint approach. Like, yeah if anybody's listening to this, just Google joint by joint approach. And I'm pretty sure it was Gray Cook and Mike Boyle together. Mike Boyle. Yep. Yeah. They both, they both kind of like made it popular and pretty much what it is, is like when you're like, it gets into mobility stability, but like in layman's terms, like if you're in pain in somewhere, somewhere like your lower back, usually the screamer is not the source exactly 100 percent. yes yes that's why like when people start like hugging their knee twisting and like trying to stretch out their low back it feels good in the moment but long term it does nothing if not hurts you in the long run yeah i can't tell you how many people i get that's we'll talk about stretching and i always just joke around you know like you know if stretching would have worked for them by now it would have it would have worked like your hip flexor it's still tight. And I, you can tell you how many times uh, people tell me I bang out, but they, and then they don't know. So I'm not like trying to make them feel bad or dumb or anything. Like they just don't know, but they just constantly will stretch their hip flexor. And it's like, well, it's probably not the pr problem. Like it feels yeah. good. Yes. But it's probably not going to solve why you're having the back pain or anything and from that matter. But yeah, hundred percent, wherever the source of pain is, it's almost like, you know, you want to acknowledge it, 
and I get, and I find myself sometimes I'll go and I'll get into tunnel vision. I have to catch myself because I would, I just want to be able to help. But I know like if I'm looking at their side of pain, like, like the knee is the best case example. We always joke and say it's the redheaded stepchild because <laughs> in the absence of like, you know, anything torn or bursitis, it's usually some sort of functional issue with the hip and core, the obvious, and honestly the foot and ankle. Um, it's such a weight bearing joint that it sits in between those two structures. You know, if you start looking at foot and ankle and hip, um, you're probably going to clear up some of that knee pain. And so I was, yeah. that's the easiest mm-hmm. example for me to, um, to, when I explain to people, if I'm talking about their back, I'll use the knee as an example, just because it's easier for them to picture. It's like, Oh, why are you not, why are you not looking at my back today? Even though that's what I'm coming in with. And it's like, yeah, totally hear what you're saying. I just, this is the one, two to three factors on why your back pain is happening. And that's what we have to fix. And if we fix those, then hopefully your back pain should start to decrease and your function should start to improve. Exactly. Cause we're attacking the source. We're not, we're not attacking the symptom. Yeah. We're not pain chasers. Try not to be pain chasers. And I know, and I'll, and I'm not perfect. Like I will get in trouble. Sometimes I will hammer tunnel vision and I will try to figure out like what is really driving it. And sometimes it's like better off to take a step back and just focus on what they can do for something like, okay, maybe if I can't attack their, their neck super flared up, they're causing arm pain. Maybe I just go after breathing that day. Let's just take a step back. Let's go after breathing. Let's calm down their nervous system a little bit more. And then next time they come in, we can see if uh, inflammation has gone down and we can go after their neck and arm symptoms. And sometimes it works and it's good. And would you say that stress may or may not play a big role in, uh, in correcting a, a few things, if not almost all? <laughs> yeah, I would say 100% when you can start controlling your, you mean, obviously mindset plays a huge role in everything, especially like pain. If you have like, like a fear avoidance to uh, bending, like, first of all, like fear avoidance to going down and picking up something off the floor. Um, yeah, I would say it's like, and that's going to stress you out because how often do you do that? Or like squatting up and off the toilet, like, oh, I can't squat because it's bad for my knees. It's like, well, you do that every day. And yeah. so people will perpetuate themselves in their head where it just starts to kick in and it makes everything worse. And it's like, if you can just try to calm that down first and through breathing and relaxation or meditation or yoga, whatever it helps you to calm you down, I would say, yeah, start attacking that. Yeah. I mean, it, you hear it like, like powerlifting stuff. Like if you think you're going to get hurt, you probably will. Like it's a very, <laughs> it's a very self-fulfilling prophecy <laughs> because like if you go into it with that mentality and you're looking for what's wrong instead of just like confident tight, I'm going to get this. It's almost a guarantee. Yeah. And like, and like you see it, you work with people just like I do. They, they will, they'll know if you're lying to them and they'll know if you don't have confidence in what you're telling them. So if someone yeah. asks me something, like, I don't know, I won't try to make up an answer. I will just, I will be honest. And I'm like, you know, that's a great question. I'm not hundred percent sure of the answer but I'll find out. So next time you come back in, I can hopefully answer or I'll direct you to someone that can answer better than I can. Don't know if you're lying. There's no point in doing that. It's <laughs> oh, no yeah. point. And if you don't have don't confidence know, in what you're why. telling them, I don't know why either. They'll trust you more if you tell them you don't know. Like, and that's what you want. You, once, they, once you gain their trust, you can, not anything, but you can do about whatever you want within legality and everything with your yeah. patients and clients. Like, do you just want to be able to gain their trust? And then they'll, once they know that you care, then you can try essentially, you can tell them like, Hey, th- let's work breathing today. It's like, first time it's like, what the fuck is this guy teaching me how to breathe? And it's like, I, I get it. The first time it's like probably not important, but once you start explaining to them and you start gaining their trust, then it's like, okay, this guy, I- I'm comfortable. I'm let's go. Yeah. 
And it's amazing, like with the whole breath work thing, like how many people you don't realize their breathing is jacked up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like as a, as a new trainer, I was like, all right, this breath work crap. Yeah. 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 And then like four or five years later, I'm like, holy shit, people really don't know how to breathe because we're so stressed out all day. It's just this constant, like in and out through the mouth. And yeah. then you realize down the road that causes some issues. Man, I can't tell you how many things like well, everyone that comes in here, I'll, I'll teach the breathing. I just believe it's a foundation. It's like a, it's a foundational movement pattern in my head. Like teaching someone how to actually engage their diaphragm to generate intra-abdominal pressure for their core is so vitally important for any sort of movement. But to talk about stress specifically, like I will have specifically, you know, females in their forties who always have come in with like tight necks, tight traps. And they say like, you know, I get massages all the time, but like, I just, I don't understand why it's not working. Well, it's not that your, mu- your muscles are tight for a reason. You're just, you don't know how to breathe properly. You're using your upper, um, your secondary accessory muscles of respiration to breathe instead of actually using your primary. And now you're just in that chronic state of chest breathing. And, those, and it just, those, yeah. And those secondary muscles, like for those people that don't know, it's like yes. pretty much like your like upper upper pec traps, upper traps. And, and your lats. Yes. Yes. Like upper traps, whole, pecs. This whole and, area. And all these neck <laughs> muscles. Yeah. This whole area right here. Instead and you'll see that just... instead of that top of your belly that should be doing the whole job. Yeah. So like your belly, your sides, and your back. And then you'll see these people, same thing. Now you want to relate it to like in the gym. If they're trying to deadlift like and now you put yeah. them in like a, a, fat, a former fat blast class that you guys would have, or like a hit class, Orange Theory, and they're just chronically, and like they're working twice as hard because they're just trying to get so much oxygen, but now they're just over recruiting through here. And to bring it full circle, when you exhaust those muscles through like cardio style stuff, that's when you start seeing range of motion die down a little bit because these muscles that are supposed to be doing the job are exhausted. So if you were able to get overhead in a CrossFit class in the first two rounds and you're making your way into three and four and your lats are trashed, they're not going to be able to support you overhead because there's no gas left in the tank. Exactly. And then all of a sudden that bar starts drifting forward on you a little bit. And all of a sudden you can't get your snatches. You can't get those. And you're like, what the hell happened? Yeah. And just like, and, and now like to, to your point, that just goes back to breathing. So they're probably thinking like, Oh no, I don't have shoulder mobility. Oh, well, like my mid back is stiff and Oh, my ankles are, I don't like ankle range of motions. Like, yeah, maybe all that is definitely contributing, but like if you go back and attack what you meant, like we said, like the root cause, it's like, okay, well it goes back to the breathing. Yeah. And understanding people will tell me it's like, Oh, I, I just have to breathe or I just have to do a core exercise. It's like, yes, but it's almost, there's a skill part to it. It's like, cool. I can teach you how to breathe on the table, but now if I'm going to go put you under a barbell, whether it's either shoulder overhead or if it's a deadlift, there's not a chance in hell you're going to be able to do that. Maybe once you can, but repetitively in a workout, not a chance. So you have to build in skills, motor skills, learning or motor skills acquisition to almost feed that, to make it subconscious. Cause at the end of the day, you don't want them to think as much during the workouts either. Like, and you tell me if I'm wrong, like you just want them to actually like understand what they're doing and be able to actually do it without thinking like, okay, maybe inhale here first. Okay. Now I'm inhaling, fill my stomach, expand. I'm going to exhale the top. It's like, you know, at one point they're here for a training effect, but obviously it has to be safe and efficient. Yeah. I tell people all the time, like just how you were saying, like if you have a checklist in your head, of 10 things that your trainer told you or that your chiropractor 
PT told you and you're running through that list every single time, there's going to be a strength limit that you can get to before yeah. the bar just isn't going to go up because you're so crowded up here. By exactly. that last set, by that last set or second to last set, it should just be get tight and go. Yeah, like hundred percent. If you don't have that stuff dialed down, you're putting yourself at risk, and then you turn into one of these people that's like, I think I'm going to get hurt if I don't do this stuff, and boom, you get hurt. Yeah, and you always want to find people who respond well, and you can tell me wrong. You know, like internal versus external cues. Like you just have to find the right cue that works for someone because some the right cue that might work for um sally might not work for bill so it's like he she might respond to an external he might respond to an internal so it's like our jobs um to figure out which is the right one for them exactly and we're just trying to swing them towards the middle of the pendulum like yeah you get the you get people that come in all the time they're like sitting back so far they're ready to fall on their ass and they're like well my trainer from before told me to sit back on my heels and i'm like okay that's good because now you're not falling forward but now we're falling backwards let's work our way back (laughs) <laughs> yeah, let's let's try to like. And to your point, the pendulum. Yes, I use that all the time when I'm talking about like low back, like finding neutral. Like, you should have neutral spine when you're lifting, but doesn't mean you need neutral in everyday life. Like our bodies, we're like we are made to flex forward. We are made to extend. We're made to rotate and laterally bend. We should be able to do those motions in order to find neutral, the neutral spine per se. We have to be able to flex and we have to be able to extend well. So I'll get people in here all the time more common than not, they lose extension in the low back just from sitting and exercise. But I'll also have people that can't flex and they have a fear of flexion, but it's like, no, 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 no. We need you to learn how to flex your low back in order to get neutral. Now, I'm not saying you flex, you lift with the flex. Um, they're not going to deadlift with the, a rounded low back, but in order to get your neutral to lift that deadlift, you have to be able to flex your low back. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. You have to be able to, a toe touch. You have to be able to touch your toes, right? Like comfortably. Exactly. And honestly, like it's, you see it in different populations all the time, but like to your point with the neutral, the neutral spine, like you'll see a lot of people stuck in like this, like, I mean, it's, I call it cause it makes it simple. I call it basic white bitch pose or <laughs> like, or not be, sorry, not trying to be trying to be offensive here, but basic <laughs> white girl pose where it's like your chest is out, butts yep. out. And it's like that, like even you see this a lot in like tons a big, a big population you see it in is like the 50 60 year old guys like yeah. they got the belly and then to compensate for that they start arching their back and puffing their chest and all of a sudden they're stuck in that pose yeah and now they're just cranking on their low back erectors and just using those as a false sense of stability they're using those and that's when you see chronic people will have like muscle spasms like um i don't know if you see me in the gym working with that really really big guy uh, maybe once uh, yeah. but he, he, same thing. It's been, in, it was ingrained to him like an old school from high school and college, like, you know, chest up, uh, chest up, head up. And he's just in that arched position. He's just cranking on his low back. And it's just like, doesn't look like it hurts my back. Just thinking about it right now, yeah. because I well, just, I see it a lot because to your point before, like with that whole pendulum thing, like it's one cue that got taken way too mm-hmm. far. Because as soon as every single strength coach, like in the 80s, 90s, heard chest up, they're like, oh, they got to puff their chest a ton. When in reality, that wasn't even the intention. It was to lock up. And then the motion is to pull your chest up while keeping everything together. Not only your chest up, because then you get that rib flare. It's to get everything tight and then focus on almost like you're trying to headbutt somebody behind you. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think um, I always try to tell people when I'm explaining to them, like, imagine just you're, you're in a, when teaching someone how to hip pinch for the first time and everything's all over the place. I'm like, just imagine you're in a straight jacket or lock your arms behind you in handcuffs and just push your butt back. And then they yeah. start, start the light bulb starts going off of them because they're like the first time they're learning to move their hips without anything else moving. And it's like mind blowing for them because a no one's ever told them that. And they've just been, and they've just avoided it because like, it usually hurts my back. So they just don't do it. And they don't realize like, we just haven't found the right cue for you or no one's really spent time teaching you that more so than anything too. Yeah. You see a lot of people that like, they come into us with like low back pain too. And then all of a sudden they learn the proper mechanics and they're like, I honestly thought I couldn't do this without hurting my back. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I see a lot. Another way I see is like often, like they might not know is if they're deadlifting and they're coming up from the pool and what they do is instead of lockout, they overarch. And now it's like, okay, one time's probably not bad, but now you add multiple times and whether it's a Metcon or it's an AMRAP and repetitively and as weight goes up, you're just cranking on your low back all day long doing those deadlifts and it's like yeah. there's a point to where you just want to lock out and that's it but people think that's their neutral they just come up and pull with their back instead of generating any amount of hip extension whatsoever yeah and for anybody that was just confused on that uh pronunciation of pull that's a florida <laughs> poo. <laughs> poo. Poo. it's my florida panhandle accent it's like the office. Like i hope people have seen the office that are watching it because there is a reference <laughs> um where andy does make a reference to a georgia accent because um she is making a she's trying to do a panhandle accent but it comes off as a georgia accent it's great it's a great scene <laughs> and i could have just botched it but just refer to the office episode the murder mystery party <laughs> the murder mystery party don't yes. ruin it because i made it to season five before it moved to peacock and now i can't get it so i'm like super pissed oh you poor soul <laughs> you I, have to I'm it's great I, I feel like I'm missing a part of my soul. Like, yeah, I have, no, I, I have no office in my life. It got to the point where it was just a great background show for me. And I, no matter how many often I've seen it, it, it just became my favorite show. I never, I didn't, I never watched it. And one day I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm going to put it on. And I like fell in love with it. And I was like, this is, this would not fly on TV nowadays. So not a chance. No. I think it was no. like the second episode where they were playing pickup basketball. And he's like, yeah, I picked Stanley. And it's like, oh my God, you know why he picked Stanley. But then it's all funny because Stanley was awful. And it's like, there's no way this would fly in today or the, the episode of Oscar uh, being gay. And it's like the way they did that in the show, there's no way that would fly on TV today. But I got to say, I, I like that's kind of like a tell of if you can like be friends with somebody like if they get offended at that stuff. It's like, all right, you, you really don't have tough skin, do you? Yeah, okay. it's just comedy. It's not, it's, yeah. not, it's not what we believe in, but it's like uh, it's so yeah. funny. Like, how can you as not laugh? As, as long as there is like equal distribution of like where the yeah. jokes are and you're yeah. not picking on somebody, it's like, it's all fair game. Like, there's like, a Kelly Kapoor day where they joke on her, and I'm Indian, and I didn't take offense to it. <laughs> like, I took laugh. no offense. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Especially if it, like, rings true. Yeah. Like, <laughs> my, my girlfriend is Greek, and she'll watch my big fat, or my big fat Greek wedding and laugh her ass off and be like, that's true. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, they put these stereotypes in there, and it's like, don't take it too seriously. Like, it's just a joke. Like exactly. it's not what you believe in, but yeah, you I have feel, to figure I, out how to finish the office. I feel, I feel for comedians nowadays. Like they can't say anything without it coming back to bite them in the ass. I, oh, I know. It's interesting that I think that feel like that's probably the biggest one that took a hit was comedians because, or they just don't really give a shit and they'll do it anyways. Yeah. 
but then they have to realize how much free percussion for how bad it is or what they say. So yeah. that's no good there. Yeah. But that's we finished it though. Oh yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> that was but, a good transition. Uh, what what next? What do you want to talk about? That that transition that transitions well into the last thing because I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you gotta sure. go what, two thirty? Uh yeah, so we got like 10, 10, 15 minutes. So we're good. 10, 15. That should be yeah. just enough because Perfect. I want to finish on the last question. And I think I'm going to keep this like going forward. What is your absolute favorite movie of all time and why? Dude, are you kidding me? That is such <laughs> a loaded question. How are you going to end up? How are you going to end on that? Oh my God. Uh, oh, fuck. It tells uh, a lot about a person. It really does. That's, that's actually a lot more pressure than that I'm cycling through movies right now in my head. Like, you know, I love heavyweights, but heavyweights is not my favorite movie. So it is a really funny movie where they got a fat can. Is that, is that the one with Ben Stiller? It's like a pre, he's like a pre white Goodman um, okay. where they, where they send the kids to fat camp. And gotcha. um, it's like one of Keenan Thompson's uh, when he was a young kid, which is awesome. It's a hilarious movie. So if anyone hasn't seen it, watch heavyweights on Disney channel. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> And then go watch Dodgeball and tell me uh, Tony Perkins and White Goodman are not the same people. And you're lying if you say they're not. <laughs> you know, I really like Dodgeball a lot. Um, shit. What did Justin say? What was his favorite movie? I forgot to ask him. This is like the first time ever, but I want to keep this going forward. Oh, so I'm really trying to set the bar high now, aren't I? I mean, I could start you off with mine and then maybe that would give you a framework. Okay, sure. Okay, my favorite of all time is Braveheart. Okay. Because it pretty much like you got to clear your schedule for it. Like you're 100% committed <laughs> to three hours, three hours of greatness. And I feel like it checks all the boxes. Like there's comedy, there's war, there's love, and you just have a little bit of everything. And I could honestly, like if it's on TV, I'll always put it on, like above all else. That's all right. See, that's a solid answer there. That is a very solid answer. So yeah, I'm still cycling through mine. Uh, dodgeball, old school. Um, you know, Dumb and Dumber is really funny. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with for the sake of the question and what's top of my head right now would maybe be Christmas. Uh, Christmas Vacation. Oh, okay. Throwback. Not really, not my favorite, but it was the most recent funny, one of my favorites that I watched uh, recently. Well, not recently, but at Christmas. Um, if I had to pick after that, I'm going to go dodgeball. I think it's just absolutely hilarious. I just, <laughs> I love Ben Stiller. I think Ben Stiller is downright hilarious. Dude, I and love then, and then, or Wedding Crashers with Vince Vaughn. Oh, that is a very yes. funny movie too. And I just watched that the other day with Owen Wilson. and They kill me. Yeah, Patch is a hand who drinks his pee. He's like, no, I like it because it's sterile. <laughs> I like the taste. <laughs> I like how you ended that. That's good. I think that's. I think you should definitely keep that going. Oh, 100%. I'm going to keep that in every single one going forward. But you yeah, set because the bar high. You said it with, with dodgeball and with family vacation. Like, those are two solid ones. Okay, good. Yeah, it was. I think that's a... Because I did, I did not expect that question to be honest. How you kind of framed it, and I'm glad you framed it that way because it had. And then he asked me the favorite movie, and I thought it was pretty funny. Just snuck it in there. Just, just slide it. What is it? Uh, <laughs> uh, Jim Carrey, just, like, like, a, like a glove. <laughs> Fits like a like a glove. Like a glove. Oh, oh god, that's fucking great. 
How many of you have you done of these so far in your podcast? You're number 10. You're the that's awesome, double man. digit guy. That's awesome, man. That's that's really cool. You what you publish two, three a week, you're trying to you said? What's that? Are you trying to publish? You said two or three a week you're trying to do? Yeah, two to three, two to three. Gotta that's get awesome. back on the solo game though, because those yeah, are yeah. those are fun just to like rant and work thoughts out. <laughs> yeah, it's like um no, a hundred percent to your point. It's almost like your thoughts are you build them up so much in here, you gotta get them out either on paper or uh on video so i think for you it works well for video for me it's paper but 100 yeah. percent, something's got to leave this head sometimes it's not always good thoughts but it's got to get out of there it's got to yeah. get out of my head otherwise it'll just yeah, stay I, there i had no idea how hard it was to actually get like knowledge out because i know like with a lot of trainers especially we'll have all that knowledge up here and then somebody asks you a simple question at like yep. well, why do i have to eat protein at every meal and you're like <laughs> I think, uh, you know, one of the good things I think what Justin has taught me is, you know, just you always want to try to make the connect the dots for them. Like you want as much as you can, like connect dots. Like, okay, this is like, I have someone on the table and I'm teaching them how to breathe. It's like, okay, but now go show them what that means in their deadlift. Cause they're not going to make that connection unless you physically put them in there. So like something I've learned from him that I keep trying to instill when I'm on my own is just, can I connect the dots as much as I can for them? And, yeah. and usually when I can do that, I start getting their trust and I start getting their trust. Then they start seeing better results. And then it just, it trickle down effect from there. Yep. And that's the end goal, right? Having people yep. be more resilient and being able to take control of their health and, yeah. and teach them, keep themselves healthy. Yeah. I want them to, they're spent. I always tell my patients when they, they have homework, it's like, you know, you got to meet me halfway here. Like you spend more time outside of this treatment room than inside of this treatment. Room. So I have to make sure you're a comfortable with the exercises, but B, I, you have to, there's an agreement between me and you. Like you have to meet me halfway. Like if I see a patient a week apart, it's like, okay, well, I gave them three exercises and that's their plan for week one. You got to do it at least three or four times before you see me next. And I think that's pretty fair to ask. And most are really compliant, which is great. And then if they're not, then it's like a conversation like, okay, if they're not willing to do more exercise outside of here, then it changes what I do in here for them. Because then it's like, okay, I'm not spending as much time teaching. I have to actually get them a result at this point. So, you know, it's a good conversation to always have with them. But most of my patients, I will say, are very compliant and do do their homework, which is, makes my job that much better. Hey, and if any of my online people are listening, take note, compliance equals yes. success. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I, and then- but we have to make sure we put them in the right position for the success exactly. with the right, with the right movements, right exercises and the right, uh, anything that can just instill confidence in them. Exactly. We're just making the map. If you walk it, you'll get there. Yeah. I'm a guide for you, baby. I'm a guy. Oh, yeah. I'm here to help. <laughs> and that's what I tell them. I'm here to help. Like, you know, you don't have to do what I say, but you know, I'm here to help you. So and anything they're concerned about, I invite them to tell me because then I know it's like, okay, if they have a concern about certain exercises, I want them to tell me because then it's like, okay, maybe it's not the right exercise for them at this time. Maybe I need to scale it back for them. But my goal is how quickly can I get them back to load? How can I load them as quickly as, and safe as possible? That's what I got to get them back to. And it's those times where it's not quite working or times are tough and you're not getting what you want out of it where the communication pays off tenfold. Yeah, at least because then they trust you. It's like they know you have a plan. It's not like, hey, go do this exercise each and every week. But why? Why am I doing this exercise? What am I doing it for? Why am I doing it? How is it going to help me? Connect those dots. And then stuff starts, maybe doesn't work down the line. Like it's not, you're not really progressing as much as you like. 
at least they're trusting you to know that you have a plan for them. And at the end of the day, that's also what they want. They just want to plan. They just want to know that a, that you care and then you have a plan and that's it. Yeah. And the true professionals will be able to answer those questions or like you said, refer to the people that can. And that's yeah. the, that's the name of the game. Yeah. I'm Tell happy to refer if I have to. Know. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a good, good spot to wrap it up right there. Where if anybody is with, is in New Jersey yeah. or they want to take a trip to see you because they're such a big Uber fan after this podcast, <laughs> where can they find you? <laughs> uh, they can right, find me in Berkeley Heights and Gabriel Fitness Monday and Wednesday. So again, I work at Strive to Move. So you can go to our website, strive to move.com and you can request an appointment or you can give us a call if you're looking for any information. We also have an office in Warren. I will include my email. Um, Brian can include on the show notes, but it's Dr. Yep. Ashton, my first name, A-S-H-D-I-N at strive to move.com. And feel free, you guys have any questions at any time, you know, reach out to me if you just in general, you want some questions answered. Um, and if you're not looking for appointments, shoot me an email. I'm happy to help any way I can. I'm happy to find you someone that's closer to you as well if you need someone. Awesome, man. And yes, it will be in the show notes. Any, any which way you can get a hold of Ashton. If you cool. want to get in contact with me, Coach Fitz, Coach F-I-T-Z-Z, pretty much everywhere. So, <laughs> Brian, that. thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate and, it. And I would 100% be down to do this again sometime. 100%. I feel like this could have gone a whole nother hour or two. So let's do it Definitely again sometime soon. All right, buddy. Sounds good. All right. I'll see you soon. Bye. See you soon. Later.